0: Hey, good morning, y'all. Um, if you came in here a little bit later, you weren't here during the welcome, you know who I am. My name is Tyler Jagan. I'm the lead pastor here at um, River Run. And uh, before we dive into the series that we started a couple of weeks ago on Jonah, uh, I just want to, um, you know, just to... Continue to encourage you guys. Last week, we gave a, um, I gave a message about just kind of the state of where our church is and, and, uh, you know, just wanting to work on some things as a church, uh, together to come back as we kind of come back to COVID to kind of have this one family to, to kind of rebuild some relationships. And it's wonderful to see all of you. This place is packed out. It was wonderful to see this one big family coming together, especially in celebration, uh, people giving their life to Jesus Christ and getting baptized this morning. So it's so wonderful to see, all of y'all. Um, so I also g- talked about some things. We talked about how at River Run, uh, staff and elders was like, man, we feel like we're a church that's that is in the heading in the right direction. We're, we're strong in our body, but we've been dealing with some just some weaknesses when it comes to our finances and things of that nature. And so I just wanted to give that uh, message uh, last week. If you weren't here last week, highly encourage you, go to riverrunchurch.com, look on the tabs on resources, and check out that message. It's a really important message. Uh, But one of the things I said last week was was to give all of us five steps to help us to continue to become a really healthy church family, especially at post-COVID and those things like that. Number one, I said, let's pray it's become, you know, a church that's better at talking to God together. And so a couple of things here, you'll notice these black boards on the side there. Uh, those are for you. There's little, um, things, note cards to write on and some tacks to put on there for prayer requests. Last week, some people already started putting some things on there. And so I came in here and I just prayed, uh, for those prayer requests. Other things that I'm going to start next week, I'll have more information about next week is I want to start a, just a, a, a small group, a small group just for, for prayer. For those of you who want to pray with me, uh, Uh, For our church body and the continued movement of God's kingdom, not only through River Run, but also through East Orlando, would love for you to join me as well. Um, Also talked about belonging and how, you know, coming back from COVID, it was, you know, we were scattered, then we came back, and then we kind of shuffled out and we shuffled in. And just felt like, man, we really kind of need to kind of get back to this place of belonging uh, and kind of move away from just attending, to belonging, that we're a family, we do this together, which is why I'm so excited that today we're doing also with Pastor Appreciation, we're having um, lunch afterwards. Uh, If you're new here, man, this is a great way to just to connect with other people and say, well, I didn't bring any food. It doesn't matter. We got tons of food. This is really about, uh, the food is just mostly just an excuse for us to to bond together and uh, be a family together. And we get to do that through also celebrating people's getting baptized outside right after this service as well. We talked about also tithing. Uh, One of the things that somebody encouraged me this week, just kind of when we think about this, is that, hey, we don't, you know, Jesus Christ is our rescuer. But we don't look to another person to be our rescuer, meaning, you know, we tied together as a family. We do this together as a family. God could give us a billion dollars, but he doesn't. Why doesn't he do that? Because he wants us to trust him and also to work together as a family to continue, you know, to help resource God's movement and God's kingdom here at River Run, that we do this together. And then we talked about just serving. Maybe a next step for you is to, you know, plug in here. One of the things we do as families is we serve together. Good, healthy families serve together. And there's wonderful opportunities to serve. I know in River Kids, they're, they're looking for some people just to go and love on those kids and, and to serve them and to build relationships with them. Uh, thank you for those of you who had uh, interest in the financial freedom team. Um, and those of you who are diving into that or at least saying, hey, call me if, we, if you need some information on, on just some particular, you know, kind of expertise on some stuff. We'd love to help out. Thank you guys for jumping on that. There's also other ways to serve. And then, you know, invite. Um, invite people to be part of this family, uh, to be part of our family together. Invite them to Trunk or Treat Sunday morning new people here that you meet here, wonderful people, invite them into your, your small groups, invite people into the belonging culture and the belonging family of Jesus Christ. So those are the five steps that um, you know, I talked about last week that uh, we'll just continue to, to cultivate and work on that I believe that if we do these five things, in fact, any church who does these things is gonna be a healthy church by which uh, the people are going to change and it's gonna have an impact in the lives of other people. All right, so we talked about that last week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, again, I just highly encourage you, just go to riveronchurch.com, go into the resources, and check out the message from last week. All right, Jonah, let's jump back into Jonah. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we start off with God comes to this man, and he says to prophet. What prophets did was they're kind of the role, their main function was to be a spokesperson on God's behalf, to go to usually people of influence, leaders. Uh, and for Israel is to go to the Israelite king or to the rulers or to the priests who had influence over the people. And basically their job was to say, hey, y'all need to turn your hearts back to God. That in your influence, slowly you're using your influence not for God's glory and not to serve the people, but for your own benefit. And it's creating all sorts of just junk and havoc and, and all of those things. Turn your hearts back to God. Well, God goes to this prophet Jonah, not to the, to the leaders of, of Israel, but tells him, I want you to go to the leaders of the Assyrian Empire. Historically, Assyrian empires were kind of considered like the first real superpower. And um, you become a superpower back in the day through what means through basically violent force and taking from people. Either you demolish people and you took it from them, or you scare them so much and said, hey man, just give me all your money and we'll leave. But you, you continue to give money in the form of taxation, and if you stop, we're coming for you. That's basically what life was like in the ancient world. <laughs> There's to some degrees, it can still happen today as well. But that's what it was, and that's what the Assyrians did to the nation of Israel. And so for Jonah, who was a Jew, to go, you know, God to tell him to go, hey, I want you to go to the Assyrian capital, Nineveh, and it's a great city, and it's huge, and it's, 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 it's opulent and all that, and all that opulence came from, you know, killing people and taking from them and, and taxing even your own people, the Israelites. I want you to go there to the epicenter that is basically like hell for the people in the Middle East during the time. And I want you to tell them to turn their hearts back to God or else I'm going to judge them. Jonah says, "No, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want anything to do with the Assyrians. If you go and you fast forward to the end of the work on Jonah, you will find the reason why he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go because he knew that there's a possibility that they may actually turn their hearts back to God. And God would show them favor. And he didn't like that because he didn't like the Assyrians for obvious reasons. And so he'd say, all right, Lord, I, I don't want to do that. So instead of going in the direction the Lord wanted him to go, he went in the opposite direction. He, you know, uh, Assyria is basically modern Iran. He decided to basically go to Spain, get in a boat, and go on his way. And I was he was on his way, God sent this storm to, to stop his prophet and there's a big storm and, and it's, the ship's beginning to break apart and all that sort of stuff. And then basically they take Jonah and they throw Jonah overboard because the whole storm was because of his, his disobedience to, to the Lord. And so he is thrown over the side. Okay? Okay. And one of the things that you see with Jonah, didn't want to deal with the Assyrians. He's here in this boat and he's underneath this boat. He's taking a nap while all the people on, on top of the boat are worried about the boat, you know, breaking apart. He doesn't seem to care. All of these things, he seems to be kind of aloof when it comes to other people, more kind of self-absorbed and, and what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do kind of thing. And God's creating all this storm. And, and basically it comes to this point by which you know in order to stop the storm throw him overboard and so he is thrown overboard if you're thrown overboard in a massive storm that makes even sailors fearful what do you think is you're going to be your outcome you're basically going to think you're going to die okay and so this is where we kind of pick up in Jonah so if you have your bible you can go over to Jonah chapter 1 we're actually going to begin all the way at the last verse there. But as you're turning there, I just want to help you to kind of see kind of the big idea for this series. The big idea for this series is this kind of statement here. Love is the hardest thing we do. Love is the hardest thing we do. God was basically saying to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go love the Assyrians, to give them an opportunity to turn their hearts from their own wicked ways. I want you to go and I want you to do that. And to do that for Jonah was just too hard. It was just too difficult. He, he knows what the Assyrians have done. He knows what, uh, what they will do. He knows how horrible the people they are. He doesn't want to love them. Have you ever found anybody in your life that's hard to love? Somebody who's been mean to you or been hard to, harsh to you or has taken something from you or something like that or, or anything by which, you know, God would say, hey, I want you to go, you know, speak to them. You're like, no, I don't want to go. I'm going to go the other direction. That's what it is with Jonah. The hardest thing that we can do is actually love. And we talked about, no, you know, yeah, it's easy to love somebody who loves you. And it's easy to love other people who do whatever you want them to do. But it's really hard to love someone who has hurt you, sinned against you, or done something wrong to you. And one of the things that you're going to see through this whole work of Jonah is God does the hard thing. He doesn't just tell Jonah to do it. This is really a story about God. It's really a story about God's love. It's not just his story about his love and desire for all men to turn their hearts back to God. It's also, like the Assyrians, it's also his love for a obstinate, self-centered, pouty prophet. And so he's thrown overboard, and he's kind of sinking to the bottom. And one of the things I think we're going to see from um, here at the end of Jonah chapter 1 and chapter 2 is that God uses hard things in our lives to bring us back to him, Right? So really what we're seeing here is God's doing the storm. He's setting all these things up in order to turn Jonah's heart back to him. Jonah's running away, and God in his goodness is wooing him back in. We sang a song earlier that said God cannot be stopped. And the beautiful thing for Jonah that he's about to go through something really hard, very difficult, probably thinks he's going to die here and all that. And he thinks that that's going to be the stoppage point of his life, but God doesn't stop. In the life of Jonah. And it's a beautiful thing that God continues to pursue us as we see that He continues to pursue His prophet Jonah. So He gets thrown overboard. And so in verse 17, the end of Jonah chapter 1, it says this Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Okay, so a couple of things here before we get into chapter 2. Number one, this should probably be in chapter 2. Uh, the chapters and verses in Scripture, actually, the Old Testament was, was first given by a, a rabbi in the 1400s, 1,400 years after Jesus. In the New Testament, the, these verses were put in in the 1500s, all right? So anyway, sometimes we kind of think that they're biblical. They're not. If somebody else put them in there. It's to help us to kind of research, but I think that this probably should go in chapter 2. Anyway, three days and three nights. So he goes down, and think about this. God basically put him in, I think uh, Laura Lee said that in this video a couple of weeks ago, kind of put Jonah in a three-day timeout. And who, you know, sometimes God puts us in a three-day timeout. Now, that feels really good and that feels wonderful to get those, those space of peace in it, and those space to be able to kind of think clearly. But this is also one of those moments where life is chaotic. Like he is swallowed by a fish. He is, he's, he's, he's not just drowning now, he's, he's in a fish. And, and you would think that that would be pretty stressful. I think if I was eaten by a whale or something that large, I think I would be pretty stressful. I don't know if I would really kind of think of it as, hey, a three-day vacation. But it's, you know, there's those times where when we get into those situations, when we're dealing with that kind of stress and anxiousness in our life, where our life feels like in turmoil, doesn't it feel like sometimes that God is quiet, God is silent, that God is not working, God is not moving in those space, in those times? Well, here's a point where God is using this moment to be able to really get Jonah's full Attention, C.S. Lewis kind of said it this way, I'm paraphrasing it, but he says, pain is God's megaphone to the deaf ear, right? How many of you, one of your, kind of your spiritual, you know, story is something really hard happened in your life and God got your, got your attention? Yeah, it's probably a lot of us, you know? Um, and so what we see that, it's not just our own personal experience and a lot of our experience, it's, it's a lot of times it's a lot of human experience, that's in those moments that we're like, okay, God, I'm all I'm all listening ears now. And so this is one of the moments in Jonah's life where he's like, Okay, I'm all listening now. And so in Jonah chapter two, verse one, what does he do? What do you do when you're in a place of stress, of chaos, of worry, where you feel like God is not listening to you real well? probably cry out to God, right? And so one of the things, there's really two things. There's only two things that God is doing in your life, okay? There's lots of things, but it all comes down to two things. Do y'all know what those two things are? Number one, the number one thing that God is doing in in your life all the time is to woo you into your relationship with you, you, okay? That's what he's doing. So when we come to those places in our lives that we're just kind of bumping around, all of a sudden something really horrible happens, and we go, oh, God, box check. They're talking to me now. That's a win. They're beginning to talk to me and we're beginning to hopefully start this relationship by which in that relationship with me, they find everything that they've been looking for in this world that they can't find because it's only found in Christ. And so in those moments, those are the moments that God goes, that's a win. We're talking. The second thing that God does in our lives is he's conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ to be like Jesus. All right. So here, though, is step number one. It's time to get Jonah's attention. He gets Jonah's attention. And so in verse one, Jonah prays. He's talking to God. He talks to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. He was in there. Maybe I got a quick answer because he was in there for three days and, you know, three nights and. And so sometimes there's times in my own life where I'm crying out to God, 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 why, what? You're not listening to me. But God, in his own time, in his own grace, will answer us. And so the Lord answers, Jonah, I called to you from the land of the dead. I'm basically as good as dead. The moment I was thrown overboard, I'm about as dead as dead can be. And the Lord, you heard me. And verse 3 goes on and he says, uh, you threw me, you threw me into the ocean depths now, if you go and read chapter one it's it 's kind of you know it was the sailors who kind of threw him over, but Jonah is recognizing something here he 's recognizing that this whole this whole thing, this whole storms, this whole being thrown overside, overboard, is because of god 's true justice in his own life because he was obstinate to the lord he I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go the other way. He knew that this was God's, you know, work in his life in order to get his attention. So it was you, Lord, who threw me in the ocean depths. So there's sometimes that God allows hard things to happen to us in order for great blessings to come out of it. And I know that's hard. I don't know about you, but honestly, there's, there's quite a bit of time in my own prayer life, God, where I'm just like, hey, God, can we skip the hard stuff and just sanctify me, you know, and just make me more like Jesus? But there's something about God using and cultivating these hard moments to help us to realize what is the most important things of life. And the most important things of life, really, is this deep, beautiful relationship with a God who loves us. That a God who desires for us also to go and love others. Just as God wanted Jonah to go and love the the Assyrians, he's also reminding, hey, Jonah, who's like the Assyrians, you are obstinate. You will not listen to me. You have turned your heart away from me. I called you to go to Assyria to turn their hearts back to me, but you have turned your heart away from me. Jonah... And guess what, Jonah? I love you. I love you. I love you. And so I sank down to the heart of the sea and the mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves, O Lord. In verse 4 he goes on and he says, Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. The word sin basically means separation. That in his sin... He is separated from the Lord. But here's the deal. The Lord is making a provision in order to bring his prophet's heart back to him. Why? Because the Lord loves his prophet. He loves the Assyrian. In Ezekiel, it says that, that God does not desire that anybody be into judgment. That all people would turn their hearts back to him. That's true of not only the Assyrians... But it's true of his own prophet, Jonah, as well. And yet, I will look once more toward your holy temple. To the Jews, the holy temple was like where God resided. It was kind of like the the symbolic presence of God. And so, as this guy was moving and turning his heart away from the temple, the presence of God, he said, once more, I've turned my heart back to the temple. In other words, this is just Jewish way of saying, I've turned my heart back to the Lord. I've repented, he says. And so in verse five, um, I sank beneath the waves and the water closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself all around me. And he goes on, I sank down um, to the very roots of the mountain. I was in the darkest, deepest place. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But, but, but you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. And as my life was slipping away, he says, I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. One of the things I love about God is um, how many of y'all felt like that in your life, that life is slipping away and then you, you turned your hearts to the Lord. I love the fact in my own life that the Lord is okay with me being kind of petty in that way. Okay, what do I mean by that? is that okay i only come to the lord when something bad is happening to me it's kind of petty right right it's you know it's like well i'm just dealing with something hard and so i'm just going to kind of come to the lord in order for him to my, not make it so hard uh, you know and, and the downward side of that right is is that when god makes things good we turn our hearts away from him again and we just kind of go on our own way that's not god's goal you know But God will do some things to turn our hearts and then hopefully our hearts would stay knitted with him even when the good things happen. So that when the good things happen, we're praising him and giving thanks to him in all things. But ultimately it's the intimacy of that relationship with him. And he said, my earnest prayer went out to you. My earnest crying out went to you and you heard me. You listened to me. You have loved me. In verse eight, he says this. He says, you know, those... Who worship false gods? Those who worship things that aren't gods at all turn their backs on all of God's mercies. I don't know about you, but I, one of the things in my own life is one of the reasons why I follow God, and why I think he's so wonderful let me tell you, there is not one and I have wonderful people, and many of you all are some of the most wonderful people in my lives, but I don't have anybody in my life who's as merciful as God is. God knows everything about me, and he loves me. He, he's not judgmental of me. He's not critical. He doesn't put me down. He doesn't make me feel horrible. He convicts. He challenges. But it comes out of always the posture of love. He's merciful. And I love that, that when we begin to worship other things, other things are horrible gods. And other things and other people are demanding gods as well. But our God, he's merciful. He's merciful. What a beautiful thing that, that is. And so he goes on in verse 9 and he says, but as he's continuing this whole prayer, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And, all right, you got my attention. You told me to go to Nineveh. I didn't want to go. All this turmoil and chaos happened in my life. You could have just let me drown and die, and I probably deserved it because I was being obstinate and disobedient to you, but you saved me. So, okay, I'll fulfill my vow to you. Say, yes, sir, I'll do what you've called me to do. I'll go the other way. For my salvation comes from whom alone? It's the Lord. It's beautiful. This, This religious Jew is learning. That it's not about the law, it's about grace. His life is about grace. If it was about the law, he would have been dead. But it was about the unconditional love of God by which God saved him. And God is saying to Jonah, that's the Ninevites. It's the Ninevites. They need the same salvation that you need, Jonah. Yes, their hearts are turned against me. So is yours, but I pursued you. And I want to pursue them through you. When you look at um, Jesus, Jesus told this story. And um, it's very famous. Most of y'all probably know what it is. How many of y'all have ever heard of the prodigal son? Right? What did the prodigal son do? He ran away from his father. He went and ran away from his father. Everything was chaos. Everything was in turmoil. And what did he do? He came back to his father. And what did his father do? Your home. Your home your home. What great mercy. Jonah, in some ways, is is a lot like that prodigal. He's coming home. All right, Lord, you know, my salvation comes from you. You, as a prodigal son, the father had, you know, it was his choice. He didn't have to take his son back. His son just basically blew all the, you know, his inheritance. His dad worked really hard his whole life to, to earn and grow and then give to his son, who blew it all away. But his Father wanted his son more than his own money. God wants our heart more than anything else. Jonah, it's your heart that I want more than anything else. Jonah, it's the heart of the Assyrians that I want more than anything else. Salvation comes from the Lord. Why? Because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why we have 10 people getting baptized today because we have 10 people who have recognized in their life that, man, I've been going the other way, been living my life for false gods, but now I've recognized the mercies of God and his love and his grace and his salvation. Why would I not say yes to that? And that's what baptism is, basically. Yes to the Lord. And so here, Jonah had his own baptism. He was thrown overboard to his death. And now what we see is that God will raise him up to new life. And really, ultimately, it's really God's love that puts us back onto our feet. Who raises us up from the death and the deadness of this world. And so what we see in verse 10 is this. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Okay, what an amazing, you know, thing. And a thing that he just experienced, and that was the grace of God. That the thing here is that God had this fish spit him out onto the land, put him back on his feet. When we allow God to love us, when we allow God to have his way in our lives, when we allow God to do what he does in our lives and trust him in that, what we see is a resurrection life by which God puts us back on our feet it doesn't mean that it's always easy for those of us who have been baptized. I can tell you, when I was baptized, I didn't come out of the water, and then all of a sudden there was this ah, oh, rainbows, and and I became the most perfect person, just like Jesus, and never had a hardship in my life. Right? Now here's some chuckling because that's other people's experience as well. Right? I'm not alone in that. And so, but at the same time, though, who's with him on that beach? It's the Lord. Who's with him when he goes to Nineveh? It's the Lord. Who's with us right now? It's our Lord. Who's with us tomorrow as we go on our lives? Our Lord is with us. It is him who puts us back on our feet. Why? Because he loves us. That's right. Because he loves us. And so we're going to sing this song here. And it's a wonderful song because it's all about God being a a firm foundation. And everybody needs a firm foundation. I, God is brilliant. I, I love God because I think he's, he's just so smart. and You know, it's obvious, right? But there's two things about people, about us. We all like variety and we all like stability. And here's the thing. When you know where to put your stability in, then you can handle any change that comes in your life, anytime. And one of the things that we see with, with Jonah putting his feet On the ground there, God is his firm foundation. When God is our stability, when his love for us is our stability, when his mercies that are new every single day are our stability, crazy stuff can happen all over the place. You know, thinking about, I see Ed and Jules Bennett and their house had about three or four feet of water from Lake Harney in there. Man, that's chaos, right? But to see them walk it through putting their firm foundation on the Lord and walking through that in the way that, you know, they're learning and growing and being a blessing to other river runners and other other river runners being a blessing to them and helping them and being the body of Christ. That's a a crazy thing. There's a lot of crazy hurricane, you know, stuff going on and water, all of that. And yet a firm foundation is Jesus Christ. So as we sing this song, I just want to encourage y'all First of all, number one, just ask the question, Lord, are you my firm foundation or is it something else? Is it my relationship with this person that if that gets rocked, I'm rocked? Is it my finances? If my finances get rocked, I get rocked. Is it my work environment? If my work environment gets rocked, I'm rocked. Or are you my rock, that you're my firm foundation? Heavenly Father, so speak into our hearts. And help us to remind us that everything that we need is found in you. The God that you will be with us wherever we're at. You will help us to deal with hard things that you've called us to do. But again, you're not calling us to go before you. You're calling us to follow you. You are our firm foundation. You are the one who does the things that we cannot do. Even when you call us to go do something, it's still your thing. And so, Father, as we just sing that, remind us that outcomes aren't our firm foundations. You are our firm foundation. Your love is our firm foundation. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.